Welcome to the Lima Reads Podcast by Lima Public Library. Hi everyone, I'm here today with Sarah and she has a book that she wanted to share with you all called Golem Girl by Reva Lair. Sarah, what drew you to choose this book? Well, I've always been particularly fond of memoirs and um, largely I would argue that it is a memoir but it's different than any memoir I've ever read. And I didn't know that going in. I just, it had a really um, colorful t- cover on it. And that is because uh, Lever, Le- excuse me, Riva is actually an artist. Um, oh. And that's a big part of her life experience. And it's one of her paintings on the cover. Oh, okay. So that is initially, so I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Um, I'm going to pick this up and kind of give it a couple chapters, see how it goes. And it was, like I said, it, was, it is a memoir, but it's very different than any memoir I've ever read. How, in what way is it different? Well, I don't read many memoirs, so you don't <laughs> well, to... Generally, in my experience, to write a memoir, you have to have a tragic childhood. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or go through some kind of trauma. I mean, that's generally... Um, I'm sure that's not true in every case, but the ones I pick up seems to be. And that is um, true, certainly, for Riva. She was born, actually, um, in the late 1950s, and she was born with spina bifida, okay. which is... Uh, a malformation of the spine. It's um, the spine actually doesn't quite close. Um, and when she was born, most children did not survive the condition. Today, we know that it's a folic acid issue. We um, encourage pregnant women to take folic acid. It greatly reduces the issue. But in the 50s, they didn't know that. So Riva was born with it. And um, the first half of the book is really looking at her childhood and young adulthood and her family's efforts to well-intentioned fix her. Mm-hmm. You know, she did survive, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, but she went through many, many very painful, traumatic um, operations to try to help straighten her spine, to help um, her legs straighten out, um, to give her what um, most of society considers the best chance of a normal life. But at the same time, there was she picked up very early that she was never really expected to have a normal life. Um, she talked about you know being very young and her female cousins, you know, family members would be like, oh, when you grow up and are wife and you have children, and they never had those conversations with her, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you you know you want to go to college and pursue you know these a career, they never had those conversations with her. So there was this weird. Um, kind of pulling system where part of it she was under a lot of pressure to get as physically normal as she possibly could be only because they believed that was best for her they were it was never a malicious thing right Um, but um also there was this almost self-defeating like you're never going to be normal you're never going to live a normal life trying to (laughs) you know yeah yeah. and so that you think that yeah so she kind of really you know struggled with that for a long time and she was very fortunate in that several of the operations did help her a great deal. She was able to be mobile and move around and have some measure of independence. And she was able to go to college. And it's really at college when she started to, she's always been an artist, but she never really did portrait type mm-hmm. art um, until she got to college. And she didn't really, despite going to school as a young girl to a, a school for children with other disabilities and things like that, she didn't know a lot of disabled people very well. Um, so when she went to college, she started to meet other people with disabilities and she really was drawn to paint them, not, she didn't want to paint their disabilities. She wanted to paint portraits of people who had 
who also carry disabilities. Um, I made a little note here. It's um, she wanted them to be seen as whole people who identify with a dis- disability instead of a person who has a disability, basically. Yeah. Um, so she really specializes in um, portraits and art that really um, represent that. And it, it, that's incredibly unique. And her art, what makes it different from most memoirs, is her art is really integrated, integrated into the novel. So you're seeing not only the development of her skill, but also her um, perspective and how that relates to the kind of art that she's doing. Um, there are also some things, I mean, it's just, it's amazing how much, how rich her life was because not only is she an artist, but she's an artist, you know, who has a disability, but she's also, um, she's a lesbian, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, coming into that sexuality in the seventies and the eighties and yeah. everything else, you know, adds a whole nother layer to her whole experience. And it's just a fascinating story. Cool. That does sound really interesting. Um, are there any memoirs that you have read that are similar to, or like, if someone liked this book, are there Mm -hmm. any memoirs that you would recommend they also check out? I have read many memoirs. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I I realized you you were such a memoir person. And I never meant to be. I just kind of fell into it. I think it kind of, for me, it's, it, I I tend to read a a lot of nonfiction, Mm -hmm. but the, the things that people are writing about are so, um, I don't want to say rich, but are so story-like mm-hmm. that it, at times it almost does feel like it must be a fiction novel. Yeah. Not because it's unbelievable, but because like you're reading about things that you would normally, I, I think, identify in a novel in someone's real life. Right. Yeah. You know, that and makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's why I really enjoy the memoir. But um, as far as one like this. Not exactly. Um, I've she's an amazing storyteller. She um, is very easy to read and enjoy, and she's funny, mm-hmm. you know, and that makes it pleasant. And, and in that way, she's a lot like um, and I'm only remember titles. I don't never get a memory off it, but um, Glass Castle. Oh um, yeah, Jeanette who, Walls, I think is her name. I'm terrible. I actually have read that one. I mostly I like remember my children's it. names most of the time. So. <laughs> 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 so I could tell you, like, oh, this book about this thing, and this is what happened in it, and this is the title, but don't ask me who wrote it. Uh-huh. Um, but, um, and, and that's an example of a memoir of someone who grew up in extreme poverty, mm-hmm. you know, and the kind of things that they do. But it's that same kind of rich storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, a memoir that a lot of people have read, either they've read or they've seen the movie, would be uh, Frank McCourt's, which is one I do remember, um, Angela's Ashes. Mm, yeah. You know, and he has, he's Irish, so he, he has a one-up because the Irish have a very lyrical way of telling a story, and he's a master at it. But it does have that enveloping, comfortable, like, it doesn't feel like you're being, um, when somebody's telling you about the trauma of your childhood, and like I said, a lot of memoirs tend to focus on that, um, it can be a little uncomfortable for people. Mm-hmm. But the storytelling is so well done, it just draws you in. So... Oh. Um, in that way, it's similar to other memoir authors. Gotcha. Yeah, it sounds like something I might want to check out, too. Um, just the art blending in with the storytelling of her mm-hmm. life experience. It sounds really cool to me. Well, thank you for sharing that with no us. Problem. I uh, encourage, I know if you want to check it out, they'll have to wait and put it on hold. I yeah. encourage anyone <laughs> to uh, check out. It is definitely, even if you're not normally a memoir reader, if you're someone who's just interested in interested in art or um, history, because mm-hmm. I mean, it's modern history, but it is, she's talking about some major developments in the past 30, 40 years. Yeah, for like so she's many lived through a lot of yeah, tumultuous 
times. So, you know, and a time for people living with disabilities, you know, she was born and raised in an age where, like, you just couldn't go anywhere because you couldn't get a wheelchair in there, Mm -hmm. or there wasn't an elevator. I mean, they just kind of put these people in the fringes of society and almost tried to ignore them. And now it's very different. So to see that development and change through her experience. Does she touch on that much at all? Like, oh, I'm yeah. just curious about what she thinks of, does she mention how she feels about things now? Because I know that there's still mm-hmm. a lot of issues with buildings that still really mm-hmm. aren't um, accessible, like, or mm-hmm. at least as much as they could be. And I wonder, mm-hmm. does she think things have improved she, that she much? Thinks thing, one of the things she talks about is her college that she went to um, when she was studying art, is that when she went there, um, she was like fortunate in that she was mobile, so she didn't need a wheelchair, that sort of thing. Um, so she was able to get to the classrooms, but she still had to fight, because standing for long periods of time is very difficult for her because of her back and her legs. Yeah. So she had to pretty much fight and demand even to get a chair and a table for her um, art supplies while they were taking classes, because then the students stood for sometimes three, four hours while they were painting and stuff like that. So she had to you know, she's the first kind of artist who's going into these classrooms dealing with the disabilities that she has just to fight for her to be able to be in there. And she's like, there's no way anybody with a wheelchair. I mean, my locker was all the way across the building and for me to move supplies back and forth. You know, but when she, she talks about it now and how much it's changed and how many of the students, you know, it is, you know, um, accessible for um, students with disabilities and it's changed a lot. Are we perfect at it? No, but we're certainly a lot better than we were in like 1985. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Progress. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, it, was it available on Libby or Hoopla or anything, or is it just a print book? You, I did not check. What I'm reading is a print book because um, I'm an employee at the library, yeah. <laughs> and part of my job is to move our new books to the regular stacks. So and this was a new book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this was a new book moving from the new shelves to. So if you're looking okay. for it, it's in the stacks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it just, I literally, like I said, I looked at the cover and I'm like, this is interesting. And I find some of the best books that way. They don't say don't judge a book by I cover, do. but I you do. get pulled in. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you find some gems that way because you would. I would normally um, one of my favorite books. If looking at the you know, brief subject matter of that. I'm like, this is not something I'm going to want to read. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the cover was kind of fun. So I'm like, yeah, I'll give it a try. And he is one of my favorite books, one of my favorite authors, you know, so don't pigeon your whole <laughs> yourself into one way of finding a good book. Devil in all of them. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Well, if you're interested in reading Golem Girl, um, you can put it on hold through the online catalog, or you can always give us a call and we'll help you find it. We hope you enjoyed today's recommendation, and remember you can always get more information by stopping in or visiting our website at www.limalibrary.com. Thanks for listening!